The Insane Transformation Podcast. And who would have thought a handful of texters and a pink unicorn sketchbook is all that it would take to disrupt your industry? Hey, good morning and welcome to the podcast. Oh, look at that. Just ticked over to 5 a.m. I managed to waste, managed to squander an entire hour getting my setup this morning. You can see I've changed to a new camera. How exciting. So yeah, that managed to burn an hour. And what is it with cables, your cords? How is it, 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 does this happen to you that you have these cables and let's say you have a cable for your phone or your mobile device and you keep purchasing more cables because they're disappearing somewhere? Where do the cables go? And then why is it, even though you place a cable into its home and that cable has a label and that home has a label and those two things marry up, they're not there when you go to get them. And you know, you are certain you put the cable back into its home. I think part of the reason is kids. I looked for my GoPro mount this morning. Couldn't find it. Was in, you know, should have been in the box with the GoPro stuff. I did eventually find it outside in what is becoming the development of a primitive village on my front porch. My daughter and my son are building, yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. It's, I mean, I suppose it's quite cool. It's not, it's not cool when the GoPro mount ends up inside the primitive hut at, uh, at 4.20 a.m. It's not what time it ended up there, but obviously when I was looking for it, it was. But anyway, there you go. Welcome back to the podcast. It is 5 a.m. on a Saturday. Exciting stuff. There's quite a few things I wanted to talk about today, mainly around metrics. What are metrics? Why are metrics important? I was having a chat with a friend of mine the other day over Messenger and not that it was actually Messenger, it was over one of these chat apps. And we got on the we got on the topic of metrics and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Some organizations, it's like the most important thing that they they want. Right? We need metrics. We need data for those metrics. We need to visualize the performance of our metrics. We need to create these dashboards. And that's that's really the most important thing to many organizations or to some organizations, I should say. And then there are other organizations, specifically the folks in those organizations that don't want to measure anything. They don't have the time for it. They don't have the processes for it. They don't have the tools for the visualization. And even if they did, they probably wouldn't know what to do with it. So they don't want to measure anything. And then there's a very small handful of folks, 
companies who are actually able to sort of settle on a handful of metrics and those metrics actually measure important things and not just that they measure important things but the things that the metrics were designed to create a view of there's actually something done with it so so you see that you 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 create a metric for milk freshness right and you've got this dashboard and it's telling you how fresh the milk is in your refrigerator and there's a couple of indicators there that that look at I don't know temperature and some that look at quantity and some that look at the average milk consumption per day whatever and some that look at freshness but they're actually using the measure for something so the moment the freshness level changes to some threshold that they weren't happy with they go and do something about it they throw the milk out they consume it they order more milk or they have a they have a system that orders it for them i don't know but anyway so that's what i want to get into today metrics i'm going to use this backdrop of covid as a platform to talk about this I, i've been thinking a lot about this and i think i mentioned this in the the service design i thought i got rid of this possum and i swear i just heard a noise in the roof i think it's i think it's actually gone once and for all but anyway sorry if you if you heard that episode about the possum yeah i did i had to go back outside and i had to close up that hole and i think it's totally sorted now and i, I this possum seriously has to be the size of like I don't, it's got to be tiny because the hole was very very small but anyway where was i at so I want to use the the backdrop of COVID and in the service design episode, I did hit on metrics and I I think I said I would talk about looking at some lead indicators for COVID. So we can bring some of that into the podcast today. So without further ado, let's have a look. All right. So I I think there, I think there are quite, a few challenges that can come up but I, I think I think for many people they're, they're sort of they're coming from the starting place where they know that they want to measure something because they feel like something needs to improve but they don't necessarily know how to get at it a lot of times that's the data issue but at the same time I think there's this big issue where if we talk about the measure itself we we get stuck in this point about where we are within the sort of time spectrum right so what am i talking about if we have if we have a situation where we look at say three things past present and future if we have this situation where we're looking at three things past present and future the, the question is, if you're going to measure something, where do you want to measure it? Do you want to measure something that's going to tell you what's going to happen in the future? 
like the current trajectory that you're on? Do you want to measure something that's telling you how you're performing right now? Or do you want to measure something that's going to tell you how you performed a month ago? Now, this is, this is interesting because we really get stuck on this. If we look at the way that we typically set up our metrics, we often see that most of the measures that we have are, and again, I'll take this from Mark Graham Brown, they're backward looking. Where I, I gave you this example that he uses in his book about, this was in the, I think, service design episode. But we look in the rear view mirror. So I'm looking up into the rear view mirror. I'm still driving the car forward, but I'm looking into the rear view mirror and I'm actually looking behind me to see the white line on the road. And then I'm, st I'm steering, but I'm basically steering based on what I'm seeing back there, like how close I am to the line. Like, how do you do that? That's, it's almost impossible to do. Well, I think it really is impossible to do. Right, if, if there's any sort of bend in the road, any sort of curve, the second you hit the curve, I mean, maybe you could do it if you were going like 2Ks an hour. Yeah, sure. Because you're going so slow and response time isn't really an issue. You can actually see the curve starting to happen and then you can sort of trace out the curve. But in reality, we're not going around a curve at five kilometers an hour, are we? We're probably hitting it at 30, 40, 50, 60. I don't know. If you're riding with me, maybe we're hitting it at 100. I don't know. No, that would never happen. But if, if you're going with any sort of speed into that curve, you're going to just smack into the mountain or drive off the side of the mountain, right? But this is the problem with those past-facing indicators, right? Those backward-looking metrics. It's a, it's a point-in-time issue. All right, so I, I get through the month of January and I look at my financials, what, by like the 5th or the 10th of February, something like that. Like we're already at least at least a few days. Like most accounting systems, maybe you're a week because someone has to create the report. They've got to update the dashboard. Nothing's automated. You know, you see it your first week. And that's normally what happens in business, right? You have these, you have your management meeting. And that's more normally what happens in business, right? You have your management meeting and like on a Monday or a Wednesday or whatever day your meeting is, you'll review the performance for the previous month. Now, what is the problem with that? Because at that point of the, the, the at the point in time that we're having the meeting, I am in the present, right? And I'm looking at a financial metric that happened in the month of January. Now the question is, what changes can you make right now that will improve January? The answer is you cannot make any changes. January has come and January has gone. You've lost January. You've lost that data point. And so you think to yourself, well, our profit margin was down for January. I take to even take the end of the year year results. Like you get to year it anyway. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go off on that. But let, let's stick. Let's stick with the monthly thing for a second. So January's gone. You're now the first week into February, and you've got three weeks remaining to make a change. 
on your financial performance. That does not leave you a lot of time, right? If you want to, if you want to deal with what's happening in the month of February, you need indicators telling you one, what's happening right now. Like you're, you're not even looking at the first week of February. Like, have you already turned the corner? Are you already on a trajectory to improve on, on how you guys landed for January? Do you, do you know? Right, probably not because you're probably going to wait till March to see how how February landed, right? And you definitely, or in most cases, you you don't have this future-facing metric. So really, what you'd want to do is you'd want to say, okay, I, I lost. We lost January. We were ten points down in January. It's the first week of February. Here's where I am as of the first week. So I know this week how I'm performing, but. Is there something we can look at, a future-facing metric, to tell us, has some predictive validity, to tell us how we're likely to hit in the end of February, how we're likely likely to land? Right? So you, you want some metric that actually tells you how you're doing currently, right now, at this moment, how are you how are you performing? So what are we doing present day? And then you also want something that's going to tell you what what's the path, what's the trajectory you're on, right? If, if you think about, for most folks who haven't been in sort of a construction industry or you haven't messed around a lot with, you know, measurements and angles and stuff like that since you were in grade school, right? If If I wanted to trace a line, so I'm looking at a room, right? And, and I wanted to, to get a straight line from one end of the room to the other end of the room, but part of the back end of the room was blocked. How could I ensure that my line across the room was straight? Well, I could, I could take these sort of two points. I could take one in the, in the present. I could take one in the past. I could take one in the future. I could take one in the present and I could actually trace those two points. And if I had those two dots, it would allow me to extend out to some line quite far into the future, right? Because if they're at different levels, right, as long as I had a line between those two points, it would show me what my trajectory is. You could kind of think about it like that. So if I'm tracing a line between the present and the future, it gives me a pretty good indication of where the trajectory is going, right? You could even say that to some extent about the past, right? If, if you took that data point from... January and you actually had one for the first week of February, you could still trace a line out into the future, right? All right, so let's fix this up a little bit. So you could take a point in time, say the future, and you can align that to a point in time in the future, sorry, the present or the past, okay? Now let's go back to our example. Now you're sitting in the boardroom, it's the first week of February, and you, you're thinking about this issue about present-facing metrics. So what's a present-facing metric? And this is, again, back to this point I made in the beginning. It's about this point in time. Where are you looking at or where are you worried about getting this metric? This, this is the big thing for you. And I, this sounds sort of abstract or a little bit ambiguous, but it'll, it'll make more sense in a few minutes. 
you've got to get clear on when you're going to be looking at the metric. Do you do you need time to react? Do you need time to make decisions? Do you need time to make course corrections? What is going to be the present moment for you when you realize that you need to do something? So you've got to think, you've got to get really clear on this. When are you going to review this? And then the next question is, from that perspective, do you need something at the present moment that will allow you to make a decision on the spot? Like, do you need a, some real-time data? Do you need something that's going to tell you how you're performing on the day? Okay. All right. So past-facing metrics, backward-looking metrics happen in our past. Usually in the, in the balanced scorecard scenario, there are things like your financial performance. Present-facing metrics are usually things like your operational performance, right? Because typically we'll get operational data much sooner than we will our financial performance, right? Because the the financial performance is relying on a couple things, and some of those things are external to us, external to the organization, right? Money coming in, depends how you look at your receivables and things like that. But anyway, with the operations, you can look at, well, what is my current quality? What is my quality of the sample, right? What is my current throughput on the day? How many people showed up today? How many widgets did we build today? You can look at it, some performance on the day. You can look at it on the hour, right? If you've got an assembly line, if you've got, if you're running scrums, right? What is the amount of work that we're getting through today at this hour for this scrum, for this meeting, right? And depending upon the view that you have and whether or not the information is useful, it can be used for decision making. It can be used for course corrections, right? But again, it's got to be linked to some other data point, right? It's not, you can't just, you can't only look at the present. Well, is the present good? Well, I, I don't know. Is it compared to what, right? So you still have to have a bigger view of what it is you're trying to accomplish. But anyway, that's like your present facing metric. When you, when you start thinking about the future, the future is really, you're still, you, remember, you're still looking at it in the present. But when you're looking at the future, what you're actually saying is, is this, like, it's like a, you think of this as like, the, like the rate of change almost, right? Like, is this going to land me where I want it to land me? right? A month from now, two months from now, six months from now. So you're observing it in the present, but you're drawing a line at into some point in the future. And that point in the future depends on you. Is this a long-term metric? Is this a three-month metric? What is it? Okay. But the, the future facing metrics usually and should be linked to the present. Okay. And then those present measures will eventually turn into past facing or backward looking measures. So we, we actually start from the present. We look into the future, okay, and we look into the past. And what's happening in the future, okay, in terms of that metric, and again, I know this sounds <laughs> complicated, but when I give you the COVID example, or when I make up a COVID example to give you, hopefully it'll make more sense. It might be even more confusing, I, I don't know, depends. The, the levels of confusion that exist in my mind sometimes can be deep and dark and multi-layered. Anyway, so <laughs> we're sitting in the present. We're looking at the future. We're looking at the past. 
all right? Future-facing metrics, if you think again about your balance scorecard view, are things like usually one of the leading most is employee, right? Your employee SAT scores, your, your EMPS, whatever that is. So how your employees are thinking, how they're feeling, what the retention looks like, right? Their satisfaction levels are lead to your operational performance, right? If your employees are happy, if your employees are sticking around, if they have good tenure, right? Well, you can have really good tenure and not have satisfied employees, but then you'd be working in the government, clearly. No, I shouldn't say that. Ah, oh, terrible dig. Coffee break. So anyway, what's happening with your employees, the state of your employees, the state of their well-being is a lead indicator to your operational performance. Okay, And we say that because we can draw a line. There's a correlation between the level of happiness and satisfaction that we see with how well they perform in the operation. Right? And then you can say the same thing about your operation. Your operation, the performance of your operation, the quality of your operation, the ability of your operation to generate throughput, those things are lead to bum, bum, your profitability. Right, so when you start connecting these dots, you can say, ah, employee is a lead indicator to operational performance and operational outcomes. And operational outcomes are 100% a lead indicator to your financial performance. Now, the one that I didn't put in here was the customer metric. Customer SAT, so customer satisfaction, whatever, net promoter score, whatever it is you're using to measure your customer happiness, that's also lead, right, to your financial performance. It's beyond the present, usually, because we send out the widget, we connect the widget, we build the widget, sell the widget, then the customer gives us feedback. So it sort of sits, if I kind of connect these in here, it sort of sits in between the past and the present. Really, it's a past-facing metric, but that's how these things connect. So if you think about, if you're familiar with Mark Graham Brown, some of his work, you know, you see that sort of balanced scorecard view and it's kind of this four square grid, right? Where we have the sort of employee metrics sitting in that bottom right quadrant, okay? And then above that, we have ops metrics. And then in the bottom left quadrant, right? We have our customer metrics. And then the top left quadrant, we have our financial metrics. So if I look from the way I'm seeing it from the right side, right? These things are lead to what's happening on the left. So my lead indicators are my employee sat, my operational performance, their lead to things like customer satisfaction and financial performance, right? And even if I connected those boxes, I could actually draw a line from employee to ops down to customer satisfaction and then finally into my my financial performance. That's sort of how it shapes up. That's That was the, when we try to create a balanced scorecard, that was the thinking behind the creation of, the, when I say we, it wasn't me, but that was the thinking behind the creation of the balanced scorecard. You're trying to create lead visibility. But the point I'm making and the point I want to get back to is this stuff is all relative to where you are in the present. Where Where is it you're going to be viewing these metrics? Where are you sitting? And again, I, I can shift this. I can shift the flag that I plant in the present, 
right? And I'll give you an example of this in just a second. That is such a cool flag. Actually, it's a shocking flag. But anyway, you get the point. It's a flag. I can shift that flag. I can move it around to different things. And when I move it around, I'm going to get a different view of the future and a different view of the past. Okay, what, what am I talking about? All right, let, let's, let's take this COVID situation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to unpack some metrics for COVID here in a second. If, if I think about COVID from the perspective of a positive, a positive test result, okay, so I'm positive for COVID, okay, and I say that that's my present-facing metric, all right? What is, what's going to happen? So if I use, if I use a positive COVID test or positive COVID test, well, if I test positive for COVID, what's going to happen then? Okay, what is that an indicator of? Well, let's say I have 100 folks that test positive. Some percentage of those folks are likely going to end up in a medical situation where maybe they need more medical support. Maybe they have to visit the hospital. Maybe they have to visit the GP. So what we should say then is that if a positive test result is where, where I'm focused in terms of the present, then what's the next thing that happens? Well, the next thing that happens then is some percentage of folks end up in the hospital, hospitalizations, quantities of I, you know, ICU visits thing or counts of ICU visits, things like that. Does that make sense? Right, so I'm, I'm actually using, in that case, I'm using COVID, the COVID test result as a lead indicator to what's going to happen in the future, right? And in this case, my future view is ICU, right? Proportion of ICU or ICU beds that I need or ICU visits, whatever the case is, right? So in this case, I'm using what is the proportion, not the proportion, what, what's the count of folks that test positive on a given day? And then what's the likelihood that some of those folks will end up in an ICU? All right. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. All right. But what if I shift the view and I say, well, let's um, move this guy. What if I shift this view out for a second and I say, now I'm looking at ICU beds, okay? And I'm saying that ICU beds, the number of ICU beds or the number of folks or my capacity or my occupancy of ICU beds is my present facing metric, okay? If that's what I'm looking at and that's what I'm concerned with, what is the flow on from that? Now, I'm not trying to get morbid here, but you're gonna have some level of mortality that results as the number of beds fill up. That's just the reality of it, right? If I've got 100 beds, 100 patients sitting in ICU, some percentage of those folks are unfortunately going to not pull through, right? So that's a future-facing metric. But do you see how the position has changed? So when, when I had, when I had the number of COVID cases, test the uh, number of folks that have tested positive for COVID as a present-facing metric, we could look into the future and we could say, well, we think what this is going to lead to is X 
number of folks sitting in beds or I need this many beds or whatever the case is. But then when I change my view to ICU, then I have another future facing metric. But you can do the same thing, right? You can say, if, if I'm sitting here in the present and I'm looking at the number of positive cases that we have, can I still make a leap, albeit a longer leap to ICU beds? Yeah, sure. You, you start to lose some of your predictive validability. I don't know what you're how you're measuring this and what the inputs are, but you should still be able to draw a line. Maybe it's not a straight line anymore, but you should still be able to draw a line with the number of positive cases and the mortality rate, right? We, we can do this, okay? Now, what's a backward-looking metric? And again, this depends on time, okay? Let's make some more space here. What's a backward-looking metric? If, if, if I'm sitting again at this point in time actually I'm gonna move this whole thing sorry so for those of you guys on the just the audio only version what we started doing is when I say we I mean me because there's only one of us here <laughs> what I started doing was creating some video content to go along with the podcast so you can actually tune in on the YouTube channel on MikeIRossi.com if you want to watch the actual video of this and then you can see some visuals and it's really just me sketching in the background, but I think if you're a visual person, this does help quite a bit because you can actually start to get a picture of what it is I'm saying, which when I say it, it might not be the most clear. So hopefully, well, I don't know, the picture, the picture might actually be worse. Maybe the ones that are listening to the audio version of the podcast, maybe you're actually better, better off. All right. So anyway, we've got this present facing view, and we're going to say that we're looking at positive cases, okay? Well, if I look back into the past then, what am I, what am I looking at? Get rid of this one. What, what is it specifically that I'm looking at? Well, it's gotta be something that happened backwards in time, right? Could I, could I still look at cases, COVID cases? Well, I sure can. I can look at, you know, the number of cases for what for a day for a month right and and this is typically what we'll do isn't it if if we go and we say we turn on the news and the news says yesterday there were 25 cases 25 positive cases and x number of cases were in the community right we're talking about a past metric right that's already happened Okay, we, we don't we don't have a bead on the number of evolving cases intraday. Seven AM, four cases, eight AM, X number of cases. Because there's all this lag time built into the fact that someone has to develop symptoms. Someone has to present, even if we don't wait for them to develop symptoms, they have to present to the testing facility. And then we have to administer the test and wait for the test results and communicate the test results right? So remember, if someone tests positive, and we report on those metrics, what's the reality of the time delay? So if I go back, I'm backwards, I'm looking at the past number of cases. What's my lead time there from the actual time that the person developed or became COVID positive? Well, it it have to be at least 
Now, again, I'm not an epidemiologist. This is not me talking as an expert on COVID. This is me talking about balanced scorecards and talking to you as an expert on measurement and performance analytics. So it has to be, I would think, around, what, 14 days? Isn't that what they sort of give us, which is why they lock us up for 14 days? So 14 days, 14 days. That means for 14 days, someone is potentially trans... Well, I don't know what the transmissible period is within the 14 days, but let's just say it's the full 14 days. So for 14 days, someone is transmitting the virus before they test, before they isolate, right? Before their result gets reported, right? So you're almost, in this case, you're looking back one day, but you're actually almost reporting on two-week-old data, really, right? So the moment you find out someone's positive and they're sitting in that coals and you check the hotspot list, you say, oh, I was at, a, I was at this hotspot with this person. That's the moment you came into contact with them, sure, and that's the moment they got tested and this got reported. But for 14 days prior, T minus 14, T minus five, five days ago, where were you? Where were they? T minus seven, T minus 20, T minus 14, when they became exposed to the virus. So when we start talking about performance analytics, this point of reference is, that's a terrible line, this point of reference is really important. What is our where, where is our flag for the present moment? And then from there, what do we start to look at as past and present facing metrics? This is pretty important. Does that make sense? <laughs> Hopefully it does. All right. So now let's think about this. One of the things I said in that previous podcast on service design was, I said, let's start thinking about lead indicators, lead indicators, future facing metrics. Is there something, is there something that I can look at that's going to tell me what's likely to be happening today or tomorrow or this week or this month? Is there some metric that I can look at that's going to tell me what my rates of COVID positive folks in the community is today or tomorrow? Is there something I can look at? Let's think about it for a second. Now, what I want to know is what are the things, what are the inputs that result in a COVID positive result? So the transmission of the virus. Okay. Now again, Full disclaimer, full disclaimer, or is it full disclosure? It's full disclaimer. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not an expert in COVID. I, this is not my expertise. Okay, so I'm not giving you advice on the virus. I'm not giving any sort of medical advice here on what you should or should not do with respect to your health and protecting yourself from getting the virus or potentially passing on the virus. Okay, let's be crystal clear on that talking about performance analytics and I'm sharing the view of performance analytics using COVID as an example. All right. 
if what I'm reporting on is a figure about the number of COVID cases, okay, what I need to know then is I need to know what are the inputs, what are the things that drive a positive case. And I'm just going to use that example of 14 days because we already worked this out. So if, and I actually, I hate the way this is laid out. We, we, because I'm, I'm just going to explain this for a second. We go past present, right, and future. And, I, and we look at this, and I'm just talking about the visualization of this for a second. We look at this from left to right, past, present, future. But if I want to know a lead indicator, just the way it works in my mind, so we'll get rid of this. And this is because of the way we do the, ca the um, causal landscape diagram. I actually want to see the lead indicator on the left. So lead, and then you could still put present facing in the center. And then to the right of that, you would have lag. Uh, I, li I like that view much better. So in this case, I can sort of read it as an if-then argument. right? And that makes sense from the perspective of the causal landscape diagram, where when we work out the logic of a cause and effect relationship, we use conditional statements like if then and and or. All right. So there's a ton of that stuff on the YouTube channel if you're interested, but I'm not going to go into it here. So on the left, I've got lead down the center. I've got present and then to the right of that, I've got lag. So the question is, what are some lead indicators to the number of cases, number of COVID cases? And again, in this case, I want at least 14 days. Okay, it doesn't have to be 14 days. It could be a little bit more, a little bit less. But I want a 14-day lead time. What are some things that are lead indicators to the number of COVID cases within the community? So you get a report on, on a Wednesday, okay? And the report comes out at, I don't know, say midday. And at midday, the report is 10 cases. All right? What are lead indicators to those 10 cases? Well, lead indicators are anything that would flow on to or cause the person to become infective or potentially create an environment or the conditions where a person could become infected. So you've got these, these sort of actions that are happening within the community, but then you also have conditions that exist within the community. So let's just go through some of these. And I am literally thinking of these as I write this up. I don't have a an action list of things that I'm meant to cover today. I'm thinking of these as we go. So bear with me. Take it with a grain of salt. So if I think in terms of sort of a box, a container, and again, I'm thinking about an airborne transmission. So there's an airborne transmission. And again, let's just use a container. And I gave that example of like a, you know, it could be a, a Kohl's or a Woolies or an Aldi, some type of supermarket, right? It doesn't have to be that. It could be anything. Let's just say a box store, okay? So I want to know from the perspective of getting into that box store, how do I come in contact with the virus? Well, let's say it's airborne. So I've got to inhale it, right? I've got to, it has to enter the air, right? So one of the things, obviously, is just the box store itself, all right? So I would think about 
what if we had the number, how about the number of folks, and these arrows are not going to work for me now. Let's say we had the number of folks within the store. So what is the number of people passing through the store? So number of folks within box store. Okay, that by itself doesn't do it. But we've got the number of folks within the box store. We would also need to know, let's take a frequency and duration. How about uh, the length of time? Okay, so how many people are in the box store? Because what can we get from people? We can get a density metric. So I'm just thinking of social distancing, right? So if we're social distancing, we've got a certain M2, right? So a square meterage or um, a floor layout that tells us how much space we have. We should be able to work out how many people are allowed in the store. So the number of folks within the store, we know this from the scan. So we can see how many people are actually there at a given time. They don't they scan in, but they don't scan out. So we, we but we do have length of time. Okay. So number of folks within the box store, length of time. What else is important here? Well, obviously things that are gonna affect the actual transmission. So masks. So let's say actually say let's say something like this one should be an easy one. Percentage of folks wearing the mask, right? Not wearing the mask, they're wearing a mask. But you would have something like that. So the number of folks that go into the box store over a period of time. So you actually need, obviously, the size of the box store. I didn't put that down. Uh, you could yeah, you could probably take an average here. Could you? Yeah, you, you. I'm just thinking about you. If you had like a really big, say like a hardware store, a really large hardware store, where you had sort of ten thousand folks coming through in a day, versus a small hardware store where you only had hundred folks coming through in a day. Obviously still the size of the store matters, but you could probably work out a metric there. Mm, a density metric and a time metric. But anyway, let's I'll leave the size of the store in there for now. So what are lead indicators? The number of folks that pass through a given store on a given day, the amount of time that they spend in that store, the percentage of folks wearing masks, in which case, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get rid of the size of the store for now because we can roll that into something else. What else is important? the hand sanitizer is that important scanning in is that important is scanning in a lead indicator to anything scanning in helps me work out some other things but but whether i scan in or whether i don't scan in is not lead or lag to me having the virus clearly my wearing the mask is the amount of time I spend in an area with an infected person is the density of interaction is you could also say an indoor outdoor scenario so the number of it's almost like the number of stores you visit and whether or not those stores or those businesses are indoor or outdoor that definitely affects things 
You could also start to include things in here like if we're starting to get to that point where we're concerned with the number of people that pass through the store and how long they spend in the store being a lead indicator to the transmission of the virus from an infected person to non-infected people. You could start to get into other lead indicators like sterilization, which I'm definitely not going to be able How do you spell sterilize? Sterilization. Is that right? Definitely not. Sterilization, something like cleaning of the of the actual ventilation system, for sure, right? Because if if in fact the virus is airborne, how do you spell ventilation? Jeez, Ventil <laughs> ventilation. Oh boy. Oh, this is good. You see the extent of my powers now. It runs as soon as I start spelling. Oh, you've got me. You know that's what happens when you go to school. Well, that's what happened for me anyway when I went to school in uh, in L.A. I was more concerned with anything in life other than showing up to school and getting good grades in school. But anyway, sterilization, cleaning of the ventilation system. Specifically, I'm talking about sterilization of ventilation. That is definitely lead. Right? So we're starting to get this picture now. If I can, is it, wait, let's see if there's anything else we want to include. Number of folks. Oh, well, you know what you, you know, you know what else you would put for an individual level? What if you put the number of, the number of, would it be visits or number of visits or number of, you could say visits, or what if you just put the number of check-ins by community members, right? So I'm starting to get this picture in my mind, okay? If I, if I was looking at an individual, so I could say, Mike, in, one, in a one-week period, how many times did you leave your house? Okay, that's one. Okay, but I don't really care about how many times I left. What I care about is how many times I left my house and I ended up in a venue, ended up? ended up in a store where there was potentially an infected person, or if I was infected, how many people I could possibly infect, right? And this is probably how you'd build the modeling on this as well. Well, if you were smart. So how many times did, my, did I leave my house in a seven-day period? How many times did I check into a store? So in seven days, I went to 10 places, to 10 stores. Okay, what is the average density of folks per store based on the throughput of that store? which would give me some indication of how many folks are coming into contact with me. That's one. Then two, how much, what was the exposure time? So how much time did I spend with those people? Proximity we get from the density, that's already worked out. What is the frequency of and level of sterilization and cleaning of the ventilation system? That's important. What's the percentage of folks wearing masks? I think if you had those as lead indicators, you would have a pretty good idea as to what the spread would look like. So it's almost like you would say something like, if we had 10 COVID cases, what are the lead indicators to COVID cases over the next 7 to 14 days? You would say something like, okay, what are the amount of times community members can walk into a store? You limit that. Well, I'm going to reduce that. I'm going to say you're allowed to go in the store once a week. You're allowed to make one trip a week. That's part one. 
I'm going to limit the duration of exposure. So you're allowed to go into one store per week and your length of time in that store is limited to 60 minutes. So you're allowed one visit, that's one touch, 60 minutes for that touch. You must wear a mask because we know there's a lot of predictive validity around wearing a mask. You must... The scanning, the scanning in doesn't matter. Percentage, uh, number of check-ins. Yeah, and you must wear a mask. You could say also you must sanitize your hands before and after. They check temperature, but again, temperature... Well, not all stores do. Many don't, <laughs> at least where I'm at. They probably do where you are. You could check temperature. Yeah, maybe someone's running a fever, so you stop that person from coming in. Okay, so yeah, you can you can administer a temperature check. But really, it's... Are we wearing masks? Is the ventilation clean? Do we have some sort of, you know, san sterilization or sanitation policy or something like that? Touches and then length of touch. Those would be good lead indicators to tell you what the spread is likely to look like, right? So we, we kind of, I think, are doing this anyway. We're saying we want people to go into lockdown. Okay, so I'm in lockdown, but I make 20 visits today. So you're in lockdown, you make 20 visits, and then what's duration of, of every visit? It's long, okay? Well, and what are we doing about the ventilation system? What are we doing about the fact that the virus is airborne and it's in the air within these communities? And we've got folks that are sitting in there for eight hours a day. Not much, right? So we would expect the spread to still go up. But the point I'm trying to make here is we look at inputs. We look at things that are lead to, within a 14-day period, the number of cases that we are reporting. And this is an interesting thing because if you start thinking about the way that some communities are dealing with this, I, I think about what happened in Canberra. I'll be, I'll be critical of Canberra for a minute. The, the response, the stance in Canberra was, you do not have to wear masks. You do not have to lock down until we've had one case. So you, this is literally what we did. We waited until the first case without looking at any of the, the lead indicators here. Okay, you could even put other lead indicators in here like, what are the, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm shifting the present view like we looked at previously, but what are the number of COVID positive cases within 100 Ks of your community? That's a lead indicator. What is the rate of travel for those folks? What are the, the number of folks traveling in via shipments, via delivery coming into your community? It's not hard to work this out. Those are lead indicators, right? But anyway, in the case of Canberra, we, Canberra, Australia, we waited until we had one positive case. And then we said, as soon as we have one positive case, then we're going to go into lockdown. That's a problem, isn't it? That's a problem because just like I showed before, for 14 days, probably, that individual was going into stores, surrounding themselves by other people, spending an uncontrolled length of time, around other folks that had no awareness of it. Not wearing a mask because masks weren't mandatory. Right? We're not doing anything about the ventilation and the cleaning and dealing with the fact that this is an airborne virus. So it's weird, isn't it, that we wait until the first positive case and then now we start making changes and we start to react to that. So so in the in the 
and the problem with what we're doing currently in Australia is we're actually using a lag indicator to make decisions. If I have 1,200 cases, that's a lag indicator to tell me that all of the things I was doing, at least for the last 14 days, were not working, right? And I know we talk about the modeling, but think about what the modeling is looking at. All of the ways in which people can be exposed, the frequency, the duration, surely I would think that goes in. I haven't actually looked at any of the modeling, by the way. I could be completely wrong. If, if this is something that you do, I would actually love to hear from you. Um, we could chat about it. But we're using that positive case to tell people about what we're going to do. And in actual fact, that's a lag indicator for us, isn't it? I mean, at best it's present, but we know it's not present because we already said you've got to present with the symptoms. You've got to go get tested. You've got to then be notified. Well, actually, from the point that you get tested, you're supposed to isolate, right? But still, there's a period of time that happens from once you come down with the virus to the fact that you've been notified that you actually have the virus. And some people, we know that they don't really manifest symptoms, right? So they're rocking up to stores in the community and they're passing it on. But anyway, this is a way in which we can start thinking about lead and lag indicators. And, and I obviously used COVID here as a backdrop. But, you know, the things that I was trying to make a point about from a business perspective are, it's, it's really important that we understand where we're planting the flag in terms of the present moment. What, what is our actual viewpoint from there? And then we need to get away from looking at backward facing metrics. We do not want to look in our rear view mirror and try to steer the car by looking backwards, by looking behind you at that little white line on the road. Okay. Don't just use financial metrics. We need to use something that is drawing out the length of time that we have a better reaction, right? We're looking further and further ahead in time. What's my, like, what's my following distance? Two seconds, three seconds, five seconds. Can I increase my view, my following distance somehow so that I'm better able to react in the present moment? So in that scorecard view, you're moving from employee sat into ops, into customer experience metrics, and then finally into your financial metrics like you know, whatever your, your end of month results or your EBITDA or whatever. Okay. And in the case of, oops, and in the case of looking at obviously what we're talking about with COVID again, this idea about what is the present moment for us? You know, are we concerned with the present moment being, you know, is it what our hospital situation is like? In which case, yeah, the number of COVID cases is lead to that. But if we're looking at, at, the number of positive cases, I think we're actually too, we don't have the flag in the right spot. I think we're, we're, we need to be looking at something that's more lead to that. Okay. So anyway, hopefully this helps. I see this come up so often in the design of performance analytics scorecards and dashboards. And most of the time, the problem isn't number one, the data that you're getting. You can make do actually with relatively few data points. Okay. You don't need 50 metrics. Maybe I'll talk about the actual design of this in another podcast, but three or four metrics is fine. Five or six metrics is fine. You actually shouldn't have more than probably seven or eight. You need a blend of past, present, and future facing metrics, and you need them to be along different dimensions. Dimension being financial or customer or operational. So in our case with COVID, you need different dimensions, right? You need community exposure. 
as a, as a dimension. You need uh, sanitation as a, as a dimension. You can use several different dimensions to tell you how things are flowing into the number of positive cases. So past, present, future facing. Think about where your flag is. Think about different dimensions. Come up with you know, a blend, a mix across those past, present, and future facing metrics. Two past facing, two present facing, two future facing. You'll be 100% better off than you are now. And, you know, I wish that the government would consider adopting and thinking about some future facing metrics. They may already be doing that. I don't know, but they're definitely not reporting on those things, are, are they? They're not reporting on what's the average density per store, what's the average length of time per store, right? And if we're not wearing masks, and masks are, are not mandatory ahead of a major outbreak, well, then there's probably a break in the connection in the minds of those individuals that are making decisions between how a mask actually is implicated in the transmission of the virus, I would think. Anyway, but again, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not inside their heads. I'm not inside those meetings. But it's just something that we can think about for ourselves, just in terms of the understanding of how these metrics work. And um, anyway, look, I hope this is helpful. I hope you got something out of today. Again, for those of you that are interested in the actual video, you want to see the visualization, you can jump on MikeIrossi.com. You can jump onto the YouTube channel. You'll see all the videos there. And um, otherwise, if this is helping you, fantastic. I hope you get something out of it. Let your friends know, you know, share it around. Um, the more that we share this, the better it is for me, obviously, because it, it, the more subscribers and the more support I get, the more time I can afford to set aside to make these videos and to get this stuff out to you guys. And if there is an idea that you have for a podcast or an episode, please share it. Uh, I'm more than happy to get into it. That was actually where this episode came from, from a conversation I had with a colleague. So again, hopefully this is helping. Otherwise, have a great day. Keep innovating and stay safe. We'll see you soon.